When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Fellow fiends, welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm John. I'm Kim. And today we are talking about Anne Rice's The Vampire Chronicles. The video version. Yeah, we're talking about Interview with the Vampire. And Queen of the Damned. Yeah, there's going to be some controversy. Why the vampire? Why not a vampire? Why is Queen of the Damned not great when it's great? (laughs) (laughs) That is always the biggest problem, right? When things are not great when they're great. And you have to talk about them critically. Yeah. And it all turns to ash in your hand. (laughs) (laughs) This is your doing. I, I mean, I didn't necessarily want to do these movies, but I've seen these movies a lot, and uh, they are interesting. Yeah, this episode was 100% my doing. Mainly because I wanted to watch Interview with the Vampire and I needed a reason to do it. Uh, having rewatched it, I'm glad I did. Yeah. Before we get into these movies, though, what is keeping you creepy this week, John? We got a lot going on. We do have a lot going on. Right out of the gate, I want to give a big shout out to our two most recent patrons, Kyle, Joey. Thank you so much for your monthly support of this little show here. I have no evidence to suggest that you are both vampires. But I did see that both of those pledges came in after sundown. Therefore, you have been walking this earth <laughs> for hundreds of years and you just amassing a collection of gold, I assume. I'm happy to take it, but please, you, you need to find a reason to continue. You can't just go... They have the internet. They have pl- plenty of reasons. Oh my God, is that all you need to do? Finding 24-hour as... cyber cafes. Thank you again, guys, for supporting the show. We also have a new bonus episode for those of you who are supporting us on Patreon that landed earlier this week. We did a full review of well not really a review we did a full discussion of Annihilation yeah the sci-fi spectacle that's in theaters right now in North America but in Netflix for others but yeah so that review is on there for Patreon supporters we also have a companion episode landing right after this one finishes podcasts aren't radio though so it's probably already on there but you better finish this episode first (laughs) and that's at patreon.com slash nightmare on film street yeah Kim put together a little game that I thought I would like I would Vampire Chronicles I've read the books. I'm going to nail this trivia game. I I don't know. It was tough. (laughs) It was a lot harder than I thought it would be, and she found my fucking weakness. Yeah. So, real quick, though, let's talk about Annihilation. Yeah. Six-word review. That's all I want. Six words. (laughs) Uh, I like the bear. (laughs) What about mute? 
Six words or less. Uh, I didn't pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we caught Annihilation the end of last week, and it's taken me some time. I will say it sparked a lot of discussion, which is great. You always want your sci-fi to be thought-provoking and... Not ambiguous, but deeper than what it is at face value. And Annihilation definitely delivered that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my favorite. I definitely am not among the raving reviews I've seen. But the more we think about it and talk about it, there, the more there are elements that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I think the ideas in that movie and where the movie goes, what it's exploring is very interesting. I just found the beginning. It, like, the whole movie kind of bogged me down a little bit with how it was progressing through that story. But yes, I love when a movie sparks conversation. I love talking to people about movies, and I love seeing other people talk about movies. Sometimes all you can really say is like, yeah, that explosion at the end was great. Yeah, like, I like this visual. It was cool, which is kind of my opinion of a lot of the, the things about this movie. Yeah. But there are a lot of greater picture things. Yeah, so... if we can have like a, like a deep philosophical discussion about humanity and our purpose and like where we're going and what like our flaws is is always interesting yeah i would say if you've done that with your sci-fi film then you've done it successfully yeah it's <laughs> pretty much the only requirement like does it talk about the greater picture <laughs> yeah annihilation is alex garland's follow-up to ex machina another movie that i think you know is considered one of the better sci-fi movies of the last 10 12 years uh i don't know why i picked 12 i could have gone further i could have said 20 years <laughs> And as much as I wasn't necessarily really looking forward to it, and I I may never really see it again, I enjoy it a lot more having mulled over it and talked with you about and it. And talked with others about it. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. the Facebook group we have going right now, it's, it's, it's increasing the more people are actually seeing the movie. And I can tell a lot of our group it, who lives in the UK or in Australia are holding out for that Netflix release. So I'm excited to... To really fucking understand this movie by the time they're asking me questions about it. <laughs> yeah, if you saw Annihilation and you want to talk about it, we want to talk about it with you. So head to our horror group on Facebook. If you aren't already in it, it's facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of N-O-F-S. And there's a, an Annihilation thread in there and it is lighting a fire with opinions. <laughs> Again, if you want to hear our full thoughts on Annihilation, we got a whole one-hour bonus episode at patreon.com slash Street, available to you as a monthly supporter of the show. Wow, this is such a jam-packed keeping us creepy. We are being official, we but we're just, like, yeah. slamming through. Also, March 1st, Oscars are landing... This weekend. This weekend. And I don't know if you already know this, but we had our own little ceremony called The Freddies, which is just horror movies, just the creepy, just the weird, and the normally not recognized. Now, horror this year got quite a few nods at the Oscars. The Shape of Water, Get Out, both getting a bunch of nods at the Oscars, which is great. Yeah. And... Well, we made our Freddy Awards before we knew that they were going to get in the Oscar nominations. Yeah, traditionally, you're not going to see a lot of representation of genre film at the Oscars. Yeah, maybe some practical effects awards and some makeup awards, but that's pretty much it. But we have some nominees in big categories, like Best Director and Best Film and Best Actor, and so really excited for that. But... You can start celebrating right now because we have just announced the winners of the Freddies. That's right. This is voted by you, horror fans, your favorites of what you saw last year, what you think the best movies were. 
rather than waiting to hear what the Academy thinks. Now, we're not going to go through all of them, because otherwise this episode would be four hours long. We're going to do the top three category winners, and we're going to send you to the website for the rest of them. There's winners for categories like Best Screenplay, Best Special Effects, Best Documentary Feature, Best Television Show, Best Death. Best villain. Yeah, best makeup and hairstyling. Best costume design. Best score. Really anything that you would expect to see at the Oscars, but only for horror. All right, so let's do, let's reveal the big three. Let's do the big three right now. Absolutely. So, best director. Our nominees, David F. Sandberg for Annabelle Creation. Hold for applause. (laughs) Patrick Bryce for Creep 2. Jordan Peele for Get Out. Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. And Andy Machete for It. And the Freddy goes to... I can't see Crankle, crankle, open an envelope. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro, The Shape of Water. Woo! Speech! Speech! The nominees for Best Picture are... There's ten, so... Or, Jesus. I think there's eight. We, I went Oscars rules. That's true. Raw, The Devil's Candy, Get Out, The Black Coat's Daughter, It, Creep 2, Low Life, The Shape of Water, Better Watch Out, and Annabelle Creation. I'm super happy to see Low Life on there, but that is a solid list. And the winner... The winner for Best Picture goes to... Get Out! I'm secretly... Oh, wait, we have to do our class. Yeah. I'm secretly super ecstatic that The Shape of Water and Get Out both got oh, really yeah. big titles. And they were really the front runners in almost all of these categories. Oh, and for the big three... Well, for uh, screenplay, director, and best picture, neck and neck. Only several votes oh, yeah. separated. But them. even performance-wise, like, the nominations for almost any category that either of these movies were in were just getting flooded for both of them. And uh, it really it was a tight race the entire time. All right, the last one. Scariest movie of the year. Nominations are It, The Poughkeepsie Tapes, Oof. Hounds of Love, Super Dark Times, The Black Coat's Daughter, Annabelle Creation, and Creep 2. And the winner for Scariest Picture of the Year goes to... It! It. No surprise. Ooh, cheer, 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 cheer. We could have added this in post, but here we are. Oh, we probably could. I mean, it's not too late. (laughs) Yes, it is. I clapped through a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Really no surprise. I mean, honestly, Poughkeepsie Tapes, that'll... That's not safe for life. (laughs) But those are just the big three winners. There are a whole bunch more winners over at nofspodcast.com slash freddies. You can check them out right now. And let us know your picks for the Oscars. Do you think anybody horror-wise is going to be taking home some awards this weekend? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm probably going to end up live-tweeting it. We always do, like, an Oscar bingo thing, and we try to vote on movies. Yeah. Which, it's normally funny every year because we are I not really... have seen most of them. Yeah, we're not really Oscar people, so we're just voting blind and making weird guesses. I think and... we're pretty good for some of the best picture. This year, yeah. Yeah. There were some... Between the two of us, we've seen most of them. Still haven't A seen Phantom Thread. But Probably tweeted not. us with your Oscar picks at NOFS Podcast, and maybe live tweet with us. We'll probably be online, and that'll... What is that, Sunday? Yeah, Sunday. Sometime. But we have been running on so long with this What's Keeping Us Creepy. Let's get into the movies of this week. Let's talk some vampires. <laughs> You're a vampire. You never knew what life was until it ran out in a red gush over your lips. I can't stand this any longer. You made us what we are, didn't you? God kills indiscriminately. And so shall we. You like dying? You condemn me to hell! Monster. 
currently sitting at a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb, a 62% on Rotten Tomatoes, 59% Metacritic rating, and a 3.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I used to love this movie. I used to really enjoy watching this movie on a Sunday afternoon. I never liked this movie. <laughs> Why are we doing this episode? Be well, because I... I wanted to watch it. <laughs> well, we can't we can't watch movies anymore unless they're for the podcast. Pretty much. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's not wrong. Well, but... especially something revisit-wise, it's like, uh, we should just find something to pair it with and then we can do an episode around it. And we did, and we're doing it. <laughs> okay. Why, uh, why did you like it? I don't know. I just thought it was a really interesting take on vampires that I was unfamiliar with, I guess. In my more formative years, vampire movies were mostly Dracula 2000. Bram Stoker's Dracula. I, even back then, I didn't like it. But for the most part, it was just like, uh, it was like a slasher film with a vampire. There was no mythology and world building. So, like, that was new to me at the time. And I think I've always liked Brad Pitt as an actor. So that was probably part of it. I saw it a couple times on television, but I think I was too young for when it came out because mm. it has a lot of sexuality in it, and so I don't think it was one of those movies that was widely before 9 p.m. Okay. <laughs> I am surprised I didn't get into it for the types of movies I watched when I was a kid, but this was just a complete blind spot for me, which is funny because I did have kind of like a Kirsten Dunst thing when I was a kid because of, mm. um, well, first Jumanji. And then oh, yeah. uh, Virgin Suicides and... <laughs> That's a big jump. I know. <laughs> I, got, I got dark real fast. Because <laughs> he's making you say, like, Spider-Man or something, right? Not a great movie, but Kirsten Dunst. Wasn't Virgin Suicides was way before Spider-Man, right? Pretty sure. Yeah, because they're, like, 12-year-olds in that. Another movie that was always on TV. It was on TV a lot. For whatever reason. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what else Kirsten Dunst was in that I loved when I was a kid, and I cannot... I don't know. Weird. Doesn't matter. I also used to really enjoy her performance in this movie. The older I get, the more I just find her annoying. But I think she's supposed to be. No. I don't even want to. Nope. You're just going to nope that? That's the only thing I like about this movie, so I don't want to talk about it up front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this movie, I would assume, is pretty loyal to the book. I read the books, which is crazy. I read the books growing up. Do not remember a thing. So in terms of how close these films are to the books versus the movie, we're going to go by what the internet says and not our own memories because I don't remember at all. Okay, yeah. I also read a lot of these books. And what's funny, actually, going through Wikipedia, I, I have read most of the Vampire Chronicles. Some I remember zero about. Uh, and some uh, fragments, for the most part. I do remember giving up on a few of them. I don't know if you came across this when you were looking up trivia on the movie or anything. The most recent book that came out was called The Prince Lestat 
and like the ghosts of Atlantis or something. I'm fucking serious. Oh. And it's him and this spirit Amal, who's sort of all over the Vampire Chronicles, deciphering visions that he's having of Atlantis and I don't even know. The Lestat story has become Captain Jack Sparrow and the Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh my god, you are so right. <laughs> Well, he was always kind of her favorite vampire, right? Like, he was her, her um, it should be called leading Lestat's man. Chronicles. Yeah. He's the James Bond of the vampire world. I guess. We've all, like, we've got our money pennies and our cues that show up, but, you know, James Bond is the core. I feel like we've done this before, and what Have I want to say here is that my Pirates of the Caribbean reference was superior to your James <laughs> Bond reference. <laughs> I would love if uh, if I have done this before, where you refer to something as as anything, and I just oh or James Bond, and uh, that I try and show my limited knowledge of James Bond. Yeah, so don't know much about the Vampire Chronicles. This one is actually only one book, though. This is the Interview with the Vampire, the first book. Oh, you mean like this adaptation? This film is only encompassing one novel's worth of tales. Yeah. Uh, which was her first novel published in 1976 under the same name. Which, let's talk about that because I have always thought it was Interview with a Vampire. With a Vampire. Mm. With space a space yeah, Vampire. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, did you happen to read it all why it was The Vampire? No. Neither did I. We really should have. That, that's something that, let's get into it now. Let's let's figure it out. I don't like it. I, I prefer uh. His whole story is about how he's lived 200 years alone and how everybody he's loved, even the immortals, have died and left him. And he should be uh. It should be the sole vampire story. The fact that it's the kind of takes away from his story in general. Interview with the vampire. Maybe you're trying to put him on a pedestal, but he's not the king of this story, which is weird because Louis doing the interview, he's kind of a pawn in the whole movie. Apart from him going to Paris with the Armand bit, it's Tom Cruise's horse and pony show. Realistically, the main character in this book, though, is the interviewer. And you can say the same thing about books like Blood and Gold. The main character is Thorn, but you are getting Marius's life story. So it's interview with the vampire because it's the only vampire that this character's ever met or met a person who's convinced him that I actually am what I say I am. Like, this is, that's the vampire, as far as he knows. Apparently there's a world of them, he'll never see them, he'll never understand it. But from his perspective, it's the vampire, not a vampire. So what I'm saying is that it's it's from Daniel's point of view. Or I should at least say, it's from Christian Slater's point of view. I don't know if I agree with that. Okay. He's bookends of the movie, he's not a real, like, he doesn't occur throughout the plot or... No, I... I agree, but it is a common theme in in a bunch of these novels to have a character who you think is your main character who meets somebody and then that somebody tells them their whole life story, which comprises the whole Yeah, of the but book. he's a storytelling device. He's not a protagonist. He's just a excuse to start a book. Honestly, I'll just though, interview him and then we'll just unfold the story from there. <laughs> it's clever. We all were 12 when we were like, I'm going to 
to write a story and started it the exact fucking same way. <laughs> With an interviewer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a mysterious man enters. You know, I used to really not love the way these books were written. And th this is kind of exactly why. We have somebody who meets somebody who tells them their life story, who meets somebody else who tells yeah, them their life like story. Yeah, we know you don't like this. You said oh, in the last I've, episode. <laughs> I've talked about it. But, you know, to be fair, I think this is probably a series of books that deserves some credit for adapting that style. Because these are vampires. Um, these are creatures. That oh, and are... they're boring as fuck because they're old. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? Like they Not because they're old. Well became... past the get-off-my-lawn age. Because they came from a time where... Where one spoke boringly. Boringly. <laughs> one spoke boorishly. I was going to say eloquently, but boringly was better. It works. Yeah, no, that, that was the style that stories were told. So that's how else would they approach storytelling. That's, that's just how it would go. So I think it works. But I, yeah, still not a huge fan. Yeah, I remember skimming pages just to flip through because I didn't care about the mountains. And anytime Lestat would travel to a new land, we would talk about it for or two chapters. Just the setting. Too much for my speed reading brain. I don't know, though. Um, like, maybe one last argument for it could be the, the same way that people will shit on Kubrick's Barry Lyndon. It's really slow. It's really boring. It's all about bringing you back to that time, right? Like, time passes differently for well, yeah, anybody. If you're, if you're a vampire writing a novel... Sure as fuck, you'd be spending paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs on that because, I mean, if you think about things in terms of time, grass and mountains and landscapes would have more impact on your life than humans would because humans are a blip on the map. Mm -hmm. a, a particular human being will come and go on a page, whereas if you're living in a certain countryside for a thousand years, that's the only constant. Yeah. Fuck, stop making me like these books, John. Well, also, like, when, <laughs> when you travel and you look at the prairies or you look at some sort of mountain region, you, you know, you may say, like, we met some really nice cows, but, like, a, <laughs> for the most part, you're probably not going to relay a bunch of stories about the livestock and the, the heads of lettuce that we saw and also ate. Like, for them, humans are food, so they, they almost disregard them. They definitely behold them, and they find some sort of... Beauty? Yeah, they find some sort of beauty in them, the way that you might look at your dog or a cow and go, man, you got it so fucking easy, your life's so great, you don't even know. I think it's different. There's a way to regard, like, the tragedy knowing what a lifespan actually looks like and being able to put that into context and you see people and what we focus on and stuff. I, I think from the perspective of vampire, that is really interesting and not something that you necessarily see explored a lot. Yeah. Using vampires like you would ghosts in a story would be really cool to see. Because yeah. we don't really, because whenever we do vampires, it's like, sexy! Everything they do is so sexy! Isn't it so hot to live forever? <laughs> yeah! Like, let's drink some humans because it's sexy! <laughs> Whereas, like I'm saying, if they did it like a ghost story, if it was more of an allegory... I think that would be so much darker. It's about life lost. And, you know, I don't know if she talks about this. I'm sure she does, because there's, like, every avenue that you could She explore. talks a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah no, she, <laughs> she does. She has a lot to say. She does. But you have a human's memories and abilities. Like, it's like you consume their life, not just their blood. So there's definitely something romantic about... Maybe romantic's the wrong word, given how sexy vampires <laughs> sexy. are. But, yeah, like, you, you drink a person, you, you experience their whole life in it's an It's called instant. consume. You consume them. My mistake, yeah. <laughs> you slurp them on up, and it's as though you have this moment of reflection where, you know, I have lived for centuries and have not accomplished nearly as profound an existence as this thing that's been around for an instant compared to myself. Oh. I'm a vampire, by the way. Okay. Why do you think we only record this podcast at night? 
because we are nocturnal. Yeah. <laughs> so as far as that goes, yeah. let's talk about the film version. Got it. <laughs> Louis is stricken with pain. He's the loss of his wife and child. Um, He's a plantation owner in yeah. Louisiana. 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 That's going to That was up. bad. <laughs> Savannah, Savannah, Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> That's the only one we can do in an accent. <laughs> New Orleans. No, I can't do it. It's gone. So he's sad in a graveyard. Yep. <laughs> and Louis comes with his horrid wig. Lestat. Sorry. And Lestat comes in his horrid wig. The legs are great. What are you talking about? Horrid. Tom Cruise does not have the complexion for white blonde hair. It is just not in his soul to be blonde. I think it works here, though. It's not like he's in a No, cinema. it does not work here. Nothing about Nobody it in this movie wearing a wig looks like they should be wearing a wig. Like, they've got, like, a cartoonish amount of rouge. He's not supposed to be wearing a wig, though, because if you, if you go by the rules of Claudia, that is him in his perfect form. But he constantly looks different. There, there's, there's like scenes in the movie where it's like he's got some sort of twisted sister perm, and then there's other ones where his hair is just like up in a in a cool 18th century man bun. It's a quaff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I yeah. Quaff the raven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I don't want to shit too much on Tom Cruise because the more I watch this film, I've watched this three times in the past week because I. Was worried trying I, to crack the code. I was worried I wasn't gonna have anything to say about it because I don't love the movie and I really disliked Tom Cruise. But there are moments now, after having it be the entirety of my media consumption the past week, that I actually appreciate. But I think the casting was really wrong. You take two guys like Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and put them in a movie together. It's really it's odd. weird. It's like one it's of like, them has to die halfway through. It's like opposite batteries and they're trying to turn on a light and you're like no you gotta flip no don't flip it <laughs> like it just it doesn't work it should though when you think about the characters in the book the characters that you see on screen they are opposing forces yeah like their their polar their polarities are are opposite uh, maybe the issue too is that they are such romantic leading males they were at the prime of their stud muffin era for women and the fact that their relationship is kind of a, a homoerotic relationship without necessarily in the film it's very diluted and it's kind of a companionship more than it is a mm -hmm. like a gay relationship but they are heterosexual hunks is what I would term them. Mm. So it's weird to see the two of them. I think if you had had one with somebody else who was not necessarily effeminate, but maybe less well-known or, you know what I mean? It was just two, two strong personalities who are both giving off really heterosexual vibes. And that's, I, I think, maybe probably part of the downfall of their two characters. It's a reason why they can't have any sort of lasting relationship. Because neither of them is willing to give up any sort of stronghold that they have over, the, over each other. Which is why I think when they turn Claudia... Oh, but I'm talking about the actors. I'm not talking about the characters. Oh, okay. I'm just saying that they are way too heterosexual for the roles they're playing. Yeah. Louis I would get because he's younger and he's more human, but Lestat is supposed to be this just egotistical being that's kind of evolved to this point where everything is expendable and everything is about pleasure and fun and yeah. joy. And, and Louis can't really get over the idea of killing people. Like, he's, he's spent his entire life in grief over death, and now that he is essentially death-embodied, he's having a hard time 
dealing with it. Which is odd, because he chooses... He kind of accepted the gift that was bestowed upon (laughs) him. It's a choice that Lestat was never given. Um, But uh, he doesn't even try and kill himself. Like, I mean, it's not that necessarily, like, that's what you should do, but you're going to live forever, you're going to kill people, or you're going to drink a bunch of rats, I guess. He seems like the sad sack character that would at least try and step out into the sun. This is kind of terrible advice, just for listeners. Why? Like, if the ride's not fun, <laughs> get off the fucking ride. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're a vampire, sure. I mean, like, at this point, like, it's it's a sunken cost fallacy. Come on, you don't keep going in once you're already in debt. Um, guys... <laughs> Just a little FYI. I'm talking about vampires <laughs> here. Like. I like Brad Pitt, though. Surprisingly, I think he's very pained, and he does a really good job. His role is a little boring, though. He's tortured too much and throughout the film. Mm-hmm. It isn't until Claudia kind of takes the reins on their lives that he actually gets up and does anything about it. He's just sad. Yeah. And he's a, really a pawn to Lestat. Yeah, well, they walk around for years with Lestat basically just laughing at Louis. For, Mocking him and just yeah, picking for, fun at him. For he's... how much of a human he still is. Like, he really hasn't shed that yet. Mm-hmm. And even during the plague, which obviously isn't going to affect them, he's walking around drinking rats until he comes across Claudia, who he wants to kill because he sees it as an act of mercy. But when Lestat catches him and, you know, has a field day over it, he can't bear to finish it, which gives Lestat the opening to turn her into a vampire as a almost gift to Louis, I think. It's also, it's another reign of control, though, because yeah. he knows it's now... like circling the fucking calendar, like, hey, remember that one time you gave in and almost killed a person? Well, She's right that here. That also, but I think it's an insurance policy on Louis ever getting the independence to leave him, because oh. they they have a child together. Mm. He basically got secret pregnant, got, like, <laughs> poked holes in the condoms, is what he did. <laughs> what a monster. You know, you could look at this like a true crime story. Like, he just, he's under the thumb of this crazy, abusive <laughs> husband, and then they've got no choice. They have to kill him. They have to set him on fire and bury him in the swamp. Yeah, it isn't until the Claudia character is introduced, though, that I start to enjoy the movie. I think Claudia's arc is awesome, and it's such a dark and interesting story, turning a child into a vampire, and Mm. that small, cherub, adorable body becomes a prison to a woman. Yeah. I am completely enthralled with Kirsten Dunst in this movie. She does such a good job as, like, the naive kid to the the tortured woman that she becomes at the end, and she's so believable, which is surprising, because she's only, like, 12 when they filmed this. Yeah, no, she did a great job. I'm really only interested in her in that one scene where she realizes that she'll always be a child. She'll be eternally young. I think that's a great scene. I think that's super dark and a lot to wrestle with. But I'm not really in love with the rest of her arc. Like, it's just, eh. I mean, like, I will say... Oh, I so disagree with you. Well, I mean, this is just me personally. I'm not saying it's bad writing or anything. Like, I do think it's done better than in films like Near Dark where you, you have the same character who wants a companion the same age, but it doesn't really do anything for me anymore. She doesn't want companions the same age, though. She starts oh, coveting know. women. Yeah. And she keeps that corpse in her trunk because she just wants yeah. to be a woman. Yeah, it's a great sequence. That's yeah. so disgustingly dark, and I fucking love it. Yeah. It's twisted that she's got a rotting corpse. She's an adult. Yeah. It's not something a child would do, but it kind of is. Yeah, so... and those five minutes of that whole fucking two-hour movie are great. I love it. <laughs> 
It's also great when she kills Louis, though, because she gets him these children, and then she poisons them, and then they're dead. She kills Lestat. Fuck, why do I keep saying Louis? It's also great when she kills Lestat, though, because she gets those twins, and she poisons them, so they're dead, but their blood is warm, and that's how she ultimately kills, in quotations, him. Yeah. Uh... And that seems great because she's being very plotting and you can tell she's got uh, she's got vampire in her. She mm-hmm. is she's more vampire than Louis is. She oh, she's fucking savage in this movie. And when Lestat does come back finally from the swamp after years of just eating vermin and and alligators and just like the filth of the the most disgusting what do you, got, what do you got against alligators <laughs> <laughs> the point is he's a french nobleman i think i would assume and this is beneath him and when he's he looks at her and says you've been a very naughty girl and then he goes to attack them it's brilliant with him crawling around the apartment on fire like he's on the ceiling setting fire to everything it's great it looks amazing and it's super sinister and it's probably the best line delivery from tom cruise in the whole movie it's a weird scene though i'll admit as much as I love the haunting visuals of an undead Tom Cruise vampire playing piano near a window with a billowing curtain, I don't know if for pacing and for, like, the climax of the film it makes sense for him to appear and then they disappear to French vampires. And then French vampires become the problem. Like, it's a weird story arc. They should have left maybe the France story out of the film and left Lestat as the main villain. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot in this movie, I'll, I'll give you that. And, you know, maybe it plays a little better than Queen of the Damned does, but you have an entire life story. Try like, You're trying to put an entire life story on screen in two hours. Like, it's almost impossible. And it, as much as I'm sure there's a ton that was cut from the book, that's probably a beat too much. There is a lot of, like, get rid of Lestat. Lestat's back. Get rid of Lestat. Go somewhere else. Oh, by the way, toward the end, Lestat's Lestat. back again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I was saying that Lestat is Anne Rice's beloved character. He is oh, he's the, never going away. He is the, like, the thread stitching through all of the novels. And Anne Rice did write the screenplay for this. So mm. I am not surprised that it's written the way that it, that it is. But if a screenwriter was writing it, the story would have been a smaller chunk of that novel agreed you would recognize lestat as the main villain and the main villain he would be yeah we we know the vampire chronicles to be huge now how do you happen to know how popular it was when this movie came out because this is the i mean like i was a child but it's the first time i'd ever heard of it well i know that they were widely popular when they were released because this was released in the 70s yeah and there were talks of film adaptations as early as the 70s. Wow. So they were trying to make a Vampire Chronicles film for a long time. Okay. This was the first one that came out of it. And now we have a fucking miniseries coming with Brian Fuller. Or at least it's in development. They announced it in January. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be good. Yeah. Well, Anne Rice is heavily involved in it. Yeah. It's basically going to be Brian Fuller as showrunner with her as a producer and probably also a writer. Yeah. I would watch it if it was maybe hbo i think it's 
actually, I have no idea where it's where they're talking about releasing it. Probably Netflix, to be honest. If they had the budget, because it's so period. I hate when you see period shows. And it's just one room. And they can only afford a single castle. Like a dining room and a few exteriors. Yeah, and it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> How are we gonna have some battle sequences though? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't need the action. The fighting in these movies is never good. It's like Game of Thrones if they couldn't afford a dragon. <laughs> like the whole thing's about a dragon. Why do you think there wasn't a fucking dragon for four? seasons they were actually... babies oh. <laughs> <laughs> i am right about that right i haven't seen it so. yeah they were babies okay they were small teeny tiny mm -hmm. so from there we go to france we meet the vampire armand played by antonio banderas their weird fucking crazy yeah. dark theater i love the idea of the theater of vampires i think that's fabulous it's brilliant but it's weird like in the movie you're like why are we here and what's going on and then they're like claudia killed somebody and you're like how do you know <laughs> yeah well i mean like louis spends so much of his time searching for answers right he wants to know where he came from he wants to know oh that's another great fucking line right where he's like he's challenging lestat like who are we why are we like this where are there more of us where did we come from and he's like why should i have these answers i fucking love that. That's great. Um, I totally forgot about that scene. And he finally gets to France, and when he's essentially given up on that search, he finds them. And, you know, lo and behold, the answers are dark. The truth is not something he wanted, because, oh, guess what? There are rules that you're supposed to live by. You've broken some of them, and now the thing that you care for is dead, because that's our punishment. Yeah, they kill Claudia. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she, that woman they made briefly for... The, she was a vampire for, like, 20 minutes. This, he, why is that in the movie? Cut that out. It doesn't have any weight to anything. Yeah, especially, too, because she makes her, like, her mother, not, like, a woman she wanted to become. Yeah, and to that, it's... What I see in that is that Anne Rice loves Claudia the character, mm -hmm. and before she died, she wanted to make sure that she had... Didn't have to die alone. Well, no, and had something, some closure to her life. She became woman. She had a woman. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. And it just feels like you've nursery-rhymed a vampire movie. It doesn't need to be in there. But because ultimately it's a tragedy, they're fucking doomed to die on their honeymoon. I don't know what you'd call it. Yeah. Um... And Claudia's such a cool, ruthless character when she's mm. eating her piano instructor, she wants a doll, and she eats the doll maker. It's her fun. dying clutching a woman is... Ah, that's kind of poetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, and never then, mind. So they condemn Louis to some sort of eternity of In solitude. Yeah. Five minutes later, like, basically, five minutes later, but two and a half minutes after Claudia has died, Armand breaks down the wall. No, it's definitely and... that night because it's he goes into the roofless chamber and sees her ashes. Mm. Oh, that's, yeah, that is good. But Armand is definitely not strong-armed in between them kidnapping Louis and Claudia, Claudia being murdered, and then he so uh, valiantly rescues Louis. No, oh, he loves Louis. He totally wanted Claudia out of the picture. I do not think Armand is the innocent party in all this. No, probably not. I remember such a long fucking sequence in... It was either the interview with the vampire or the vampire Lestat where Armand is teaching either Louis or Lestat like how to use their vampire powers and how to run and leap across rooftops and do whatever. And it was just insufferably long. <laughs> like, I, just, I, I just remember being bored by it. And because these books are very repetitive in their um, their structure, I would then have to to hear that story relayed again. In a different book? <laughs> in a different... In the Vampire Armand! Like, from his perspective, this is how I felt. Like, 
there is so much in the Vampire Chronicles of just it's it's all one story, and you're just hearing it from different vantage points, right? Oh, it's bad. I mean, you even find out in I think it's Merrick where Merrick, a witch conjures up the ghost of Claudia, like her soul. This might be a little old world, but I do not like the blending of my witches and my vampire stories. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you you would hate the, the, the novelization. I shouldn't say novelization. You would hate the Queen of the Damned novel. It is mostly witches. <laughs> Which is becoming vampires. Oh, I was reading. it. It's a very interesting story. <laughs> it's a crazy one. Uh, and then from there, it's like one, two, skip a few. He watches Superman and sits down for an interview with some kid. Yeah, he spends 200 years alone and then is like, you know what I should do? I should do an interview and then go back to being alone. Yeah. And Lestat appears in Christian Slater's car for some reason at the end. And it doesn't make any sense. Lestat is just... A sad sack for, like, a century and a half. He's afraid of helicopters and stuff, and then all of a sudden... Well, he's, he thinks it's false light. He's flying down the Golden Gate Bridge, being all, like, cool Lestat again. You're like, what is this? Well, I think it's the first time that he's fed on a human again. On Daniel. Because he's like, I feel better already, or I feel like my old self again uh, already. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you a choice that I so never had. What is the point, though, that he wanted to hear what Louis had to say about him? That would be Lestat. Though. That would fucking be Lestat. He gets blocked on Instagram, and so he makes another account. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, like, what if vampires are on Instagram, and the only way you could tell is that in their bio it says, no flash, no filter. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag no filter. Sounds great. <laughs> like, another glorious sunset. <laughs> yeah, as much as I disliked tom cruise initially i do enjoy him at some points when he is antagonizing louis and mm -hmm. the scene in particular is after louis kills claudia and he's dancing around with her mother's corpse oh yeah there's still life in the old girl it's fun i totally enjoy that and perhaps that is the scene he auditioned with we know tom cruise doesn't audition there's but... no fucking way <laughs> tom cruise auditioned for this movie no he got 10 million dollars and part of the profits there's no he did he actually have a back-end deal on this? Yeah, he did. <laughs> wow. He probably produced it. Like, there's nothing that Tom Cruise does that he isn't a producer of for, like, the last 20 years. Well, and apparently Brad Pitt was so disappointed when he got the screenplay because uh, he didn't get his hands on it until, until two weeks before filming. Power move. And he was so disappointed in Louis' character because he was like, he doesn't do anything. Yeah. Like, obviously, he'd read the book, was like, this is fucking great. Would love to do this role. Oh, it's... Oh, I'm a vehicle for Tom Cruise. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're doing the vampire Lestat, but with Louis? Okay, that's cool. I, 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 I guess that's, that's all right. I ended up liking Brad Pitt more mm -hmm. as Louis. His character was inferior, though. Yeah. I hate how he looks in the 90s. He looks so fucking weird, cool 90s. I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. Like, he's got he's the like dumb... And his loose pants. Yeah, okay, there you, you go, right? You afford a tailor. You have had, like, original printed money. You should be fine. <laughs> original printed money. <laughs> it's like he went to the tailor and he was just like, all right, cool, I want, like, a nice Italian suit jacket, fucking zoot suit pants. Speaking of the original printed money comment, when you're a vampire, you probably never have to deal with that issue at ATMs where you have to re-put a bill in because it's too crinkly because your money's so old and perfect. You, like, open the vault and take out your fresh stack of money. You say that, but I think that's probably the one thing they really have to deal with because you would have gone from, like, doubloons to bills to, to cards. 
I just want an. I, I don't want picture an, vampires using cards. I want an entire vampire movie where we just deal with them trying to handle like the the financial structure of modern day. Like they have to fake their own death every so often, right? Like there's no way that they don't have false identities. I guess you would just take the life. I don't think of they're a part of society. You, there's a paper trail on everybody. How are you going to own an estate and not have somebody coming by collecting property tax? I don't know. <laughs> I live you in the put, attic of a church. You put an invisibility cloak on it. <laughs> you remind everybody around you that it's a movie and it doesn't fucking matter? Okay, I get it. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I want to figure out why the fuck this movie ends with the Rolling Stones... No, not even the Rolling Stones. A bad cover of the Rolling Stones' Sympathy for the Devil. Everything about it's been going great. We got classical music. We're, we're setting a tone. We're in the mood. You know, I guess... We, Modern we, day, John. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. Lestat is rolling into the new times in a convertible on the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, yeah, and he, like, pulls out his doilies from underneath his fucking jacket. It's not the Golden Gate jacket. Bridge, is it? No. I have no idea. No, because I think they're New Orleans. Are they? Yeah. They're back in New Orleans, aren't they? I have no idea. I thought so. Christian Slater doesn't sound like he's from Nolling. No, he doesn't. No. Not in the way. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So what is your final rating on the film? I'm going to give this movie a 2.5 out of 4. I am going to give this film a... 2.5 means too high. Well, I, here's... And honestly, you know what, going though? in, I thought I would have given it a little lower. The more we've talked about it, I mean, I am shitting on it, but in the back of my head, I'm like, eh, it's not that bad, John. It's... Yeah, two point five. It's a, it's a good movie. Yeah. It's solid. It's it's got some beat moments. Well, I'm sh- yeah, I'm shooting on how like not great this movie is, but once we start talking about Queen of the Damned, like oh, uh, all light, bets are off. Light I'm your torches my now, up right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like get your pitchforks out, audience. This is gonna be a ride. <laughs> shadows for centuries. It's time to share myself in the world. Let me show you what it means to live in the light. In his lust for mortal power, he will awaken an immortal evil. She's Patricia. The queen of the damned. That will turn the undead. She chose me. Against each other. She has no respect for anything except for the taste of blood. Human and immortal alike. In a war to possess our souls. What have you 
from 2002, currently sitting at a 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb, a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 30% on Metacritic, and a 2.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. So, my big question for you regarding Letterboxd. Um, <laughs> when you saw the ratings for Queen of the Damned, in your memory, your mind's eye. My mind's eye. Were there, like, was it a scattering? Like, were there, like, a lot oh, no, of fives? It, it's, and... It definitely peaks in the middle. It's more skewed towards the zero end. Because nobody... Okay. <laughs> but there's, there's a few of us, and I say us, who are in the green. <laughs> okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I really should let you handle this episode, or this this segment. I want to disclaimer this like a Treehouse of Horror episode. Okay. <laughs> that in revisiting this film, critically, like I had to talk about it and maybe defend it, mm -hmm. it doesn't hold up. No. At all. No, it doesn't. It is not a good movie. It never has been. No. But, as a citation, I will have you, I will ask you to listen to the haunting episode of the podcast in which I defended a film that did not hold up. Okay. And I know it's not good. I enjoy this terrible, terrible movie in a way that I will watch it several times a year if you would let me. <laughs> that is so funny. Like, I, d I don't know! <laughs> listening to you talk about this movie is like old poetry from William Butler Yeats. It's like, I am but a poor movie watcher, <laughs> having only my dreams, and I lay them at your feet, so please tread lightly before you tread on my dreams. <laughs> no, I know it's bad, and I have shit on movies that are better than this movie <laughs> I have been utterly cruel to movies that are way better than this movie yeah but but today we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna be polite is that what you're saying no I'm just defending nostalgia my perspective on the film okay I know that it's wrong mm -hmm. and I know that my opinion is wrong yep but I can't change the way that I feel. Okay so <laughs> I'm going to ask you one simple question before we get started. who's a better Lestat? No, oh. oh, no. Okay. No. Actually, you know what? We're going to get to that question. Counting! <laughs> Jesus. Jonathan Davis. <laughs> yeah, John Jonathan Davis would have been a better uh, Lestat. That would have been great. I mean, technically, he is the third Lestat when you think about it, right? Uh, no. Um, if you had to choose between... If you had to choose, mm -hmm. and the other is wiped from existence. Okay. No copies of it exist. Mm -hmm. Would you rather have Queen of the Damned, the film, or Queen of the Damned... The soundtrack. Oh, that's all God. I want to know. That's all I need. Just one simple, one simple question. What do you like more, the soundtrack? Would or the, the movie, movie not have any music in it? Okay, that seems like a cheat. Okay, because <laughs> you could have both. <laughs> 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 okay, okay. I think the movie with the soundtrack. <laughs> Let's say all that's left on Earth are a copy of the movie with the soundtrack missing for some reason, and a copy of the CD, and you can only keep one. You can't... Like, none of the songs are in the movie? Yeah, like, for whatever reason, the songs are gone. It's just, like, Steam? It's like, <laughs> no, it's like a it's like a demo reel, or like oh. a, a first draft, where it's it's all Benny Hill music, like... I'm gonna have to think on it, I'll answer it at the end of the episode. Really, I just want to know what it is about this movie you like. It's definitely the music, okay, but so hold, the hold the line, though, because Stuart Townsend is a dream. <laughs> yeah. This movie does have an incredible opening. I'll give it that. I think it sort of usurps the ending of the interview with the vampire. The vampire. 
and also I think usurps is the right word. Um, <laughs> but it's so fucking great. Lestat has just gotten bored, and he's like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna go have a nap for a few hundred years." Isn't that in the Vampire Lestat though? Because that this. Is- Queen of the Damned, the film, mm-hmm. is a compilation of the Vampire Lestat, the novel, and the Queen of the Damned, the novel, and then whatever the filmmakers also wanted to make. <laughs> yeah, a, th- a lot of what you're seeing in terms of the Vampire Lestat stuff are the flashback moments, if I remember correctly, like him with Marius. And the rock band stuff is all the Vampire Lestat. None of that's Queen of the Damned. Are you sure? Yeah, because oh, Queen fuck. of the Damned is the story about Maharet and... The Queen of the Damned, isn't but it? But it starts does it starts with him. We shouldn't talk about the books because we don't know anything about them. Waking up and starting the band. I don't remember. Maybe he wakes up the Queen of the Damned, and then it's like coming in four years because books take a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, I I really don't remember. Fuck. I do remember enjoying the Vampire Lestat. I remember that being my favorite of the books that I read. Mm-hmm. For a long time, I think I liked Blood and Gold a lot. Tale of the Body Thief is pretty cool because Lestat's of human again for whatever reason. What? He switches bodies with somebody. Um, uh. He goes into a human body, the guy goes into the vampire body, and then refuses to switch back is, is the idea. It's funny because uh, Lestat almost passes out uh, after using the bathroom for the first time for how putrid the smell is. That's funny. <laughs> That's one of the only things I remember now. What a funny joke. But yeah, Lestat's just kind of like hanging out underground. He's like, fuck it. He's just like listening to the sounds of decades go by. You know, you can hear carriages turn to automobiles, turn to motorcycles, yada yada. That's beautiful. It's great. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And everything is boring except for this one band. Yeah, so I, I do remember that in the novel being awesome. In the film, they gloss over it so quickly, probably because they want to get to him being a rock star. There's a lot they just gloss over. Yeah, they're like, boom! He appears in an apartment building where there's this band playing. He's like, guess who's your new lead singer? Cut to biggest band in America. (laughs) Well, the the title credits are a bunch of their music videos from their debut album, Redeemer. Okay. (laughs) They're doing like the end of the career Beatles tour, right? At some point, the Beatles just stopped touring, but they kept putting out albums. They've just been putting out music and refusing to do live shows. Which is kind of brilliant because it plays up on... He's a vampire. On his image, yeah. I'm a fucking vampire, bro. Yeah. And everybody's like, sure you are, but really you are, right? It's gonna go... (laughs) I think that's cool. I think the idea of a vampire being the lead singer of a rock band, like a goth rock band... Is really badass. Right? Yeah, it's a little silly, but it's really badass. It's a great idea for a novel. It's brilliant. For a, for a movie, too, John. Yeah, for it's a, a movie, It's a good idea too, for a movie. Hey, I mean, there's plenty of movies out there that were great ideas, but, you know, they just didn't, they didn't make it. Yeah. I don't know how to defend it. it de- it's not a great film. <laughs> yeah, we very quickly are introduced to the Talamasca, who are hunting vampires. I see, even now, I don't know what... They do. I assume Jessie was like a grad student and she was working on her thesis, which also happens to be metaphysical in nature. And in doing so, she is trying to crack the code of whether vampires are real or not. Yeah. And her mentor, David, is like, they're real, but don't do it. It's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. And she's like, no, his lyrics are riddles and I'm going to do my hair all cool and go to their vampire bar. What a terrible idea. <laughs> You're How a human. You, exactly. You, they will know. Yeah. It's their job to know. They're going to be like, <laughs> smells like B positive in here tonight. <laughs> I'm B positive. There's humans in the <laughs> bar. 
good. And then also, like, later, while we're talking about the vampire bar, Akasha, when she awakens, goes to this vampire bar of all these, like, lame, regular vampires. Just she a... dances the shit out. And, yeah. like, why are you going to this dumb vampire bar? Kim, you are a, They are beneath you, Akasha. <laughs> it's a Friday night. You gotta just dance this shit off. You gotta shake it out. You know, whether it means you're gonna belly dance until they explode in the fire. You know, it's just it's where we go. Gotta shake off the weekend. She has had a fucking week and a half. Why does she wake up again? Uh, she wakes up because of Lestat's music. Uh, so she first woke up after... Because of Lestat's music. After Marius... Marius bites Lestat for some reason. Yeah, Marius turns Lestat... I don't remember. And honestly, in the books, I don't even think it's Marius that does And it. Marius has a buzz cut from, like, 1602 to 1992. I think he was Roman in the books. His hair is awful. Yeah. It is not period at all. <laughs> yeah. He's watching over the king and queen of the damned, essentially. Yeah. And when Lestat discovers them, he plays music for her. Like, he's like the little drummer boy coming to meet Jesus in the nativity. I think he's just bored. And he's like, you want me to play for you? He thinks they're statues. He doesn't know what they are. I think he gets the idea that there there is some sort of presence. Like, they are... Yeah, maybe. ...something. Because he's drawn down there to them, too, right? But, yeah, he plays for her, and she allows him to drink her blood, which is, like, the crack cocaine of vampire blood. She's the oldest vampire there's ever And then been. nothing happens for centuries. <laughs> yeah. You know, we tie him to a bed, we, we pack the house up while he's asleep and leave town. And then when he starts playing music again, she's like, oh, shit. My boyfriend's back. <laughs> You're gonna be in trouble. And he's gonna be in trouble. I was thinking the exact <laughs> yes. same thing. Oh, uh, hey, yeah, uh, hey, yeah. Uh. She back. still likes him though. Really likes him. Yeah. Why? Um. I guess it's just a thing. Like, you, yeah. you can't help who you like. Yeah, Even if you're a stone goddess. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the marble heart wants what it wants. She does have a husband, though. She kills the fuck out of that Doesn't husband. she eat him when she, when she wakes yeah, up Yeah, she again? wakes up and she's just like, she's just like I need this. Yeah. the crown. <laughs> So Lestat's busy being a rock star. Jesse is trying to figure out what? If he's really a vampire, what is she doing? I think so. I think she wants to be one. She's just fascinated by him. Well, she also is a relative of vampires. Which you don't her... find out until the finale, right? You don't <laughs> yeah. find out anything about Maharet until the end. Her whole family is vampires. <laughs> and she's apparently psychic or something. Yeah. They don't touch on it in the movie, but... Well, that's because her aunt... Who's... Is a is the witch right? The, yeah, the who twin is psychic? Or, yeah. Okay. So yeah, there there are, is a whole twin story. Here's what something that I don't fucking like. So the twins are the ones that ultimately defeat. One of the Akasha. twins is her mom, then, right? Uh, no, because she calls her aunt Maharet, and you're like, okay, but yeah, I know. But like when you have a family friend who's not really family, I guess you call true. her aunt. But they're both redheads, so I think she's still part of the family tree. Oh, okay, which is something they kept in the movie for no reason. Like, yeah, was... there was a big, big old family tree yeah. that bled for some reason. You're like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Akasha shows up. She kidnaps Lestat after the worst, worst fight sequence. Okay, I thought you said concert ever, and I was like, it was a pretty impressive concert. That concert looks <laughs> incredible. I would totally go to that concert. Yeah. It's just like, drive down Death Valley, turn right when you see all the goths. Yeah, like, <laughs> or the flames shooting out of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> but you got a bunch of actors or who... the leather pants. <laughs> It does seem like the worst place, right? Like, what a bad idea. Just like a hundred thousand people rocking out, chafing. Like sand and sweat <laughs> up there. You can like make a pearl by the end of it. Ugh. 
<laughs> Too far. Okay. <laughs> Draining it back. Um, yeah, worst fight sequence ever. Yeah, that, when I say this film doesn't hold up, I'm purely referencing the vampire movements when they try to do vampire things. It's so weird. It's like, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, it looks like it's like a stop after motion. school special. Yeah, like stutter stop motion. And they're like, fuh, 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 attack. <laughs> it's a little crazy. It's not good. No. And honestly, I, I, I could deal with the special effects not being incredible, but the... I don't know if it's necessarily the camera movement or if it's just that none of the actors are fighters. Yeah, there wasn't, like, a trained sequence. So yeah. you have a bunch of vampires just hovering around being vampire-y going one at a time. Every time Lestat, <laughs> Dewar Townsend, every time he punches somebody, he's like, hey, isn't it cool that I just did that? Like, he is surprised every time it happens. Like, sweet, cool, wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. I hope you guys have seen that. There's, <laughs> wow. there's no shortage of videos online of Owen Wilson's wow replacing every possible sound. Wow. <laughs> Specifically with like lightsaber fight Somebody needs to do that with that fight sequence. From... You could do that. No, I'm saying somebody because I don't want to. <laughs> Free Nightmare on Film Street shirt to anybody who does it for us. <gasps> yes. I'm, I'm going to say that right now. Oh, man. Wow. 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 So Akasha takes Lestat out on like the weirdest honeymoon where they just like travel the world eating countries at a time. I'm pretty sure in the novel. I think they just went on one beach where there oh, was a nice was. house. Yeah. And they were like, let's eat everyone. And then they're like, whoa, we should go. There's a lot of corpses on this beach. <laughs> let's go to Fire Island. It's lit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in the book she like commands an entire nation of people and she tries to convince... Or at least tells them, you know, women, if you rise up and kill your oppressive husbands and, like, the, the males of the society, we will rule together. That's the idea. She wants to, like, wipe out all of, uh, like, all the males, from what I remember. Uh, it's, it's a pretty feminist book. Well, right? if you think about vampires, that's kind of the solution to um, oh. populating the earth. No, lot, women don't need men anymore to populate the earth forever. Yeah, you but could just you turn need all of things the... to eat. Oh yeah. Unless, well, I don't know though, because it seems like pigs, Lestat, and Akasha do a pretty good job just like drinking each other's blood for days on yeah, end. Yeah, they sure do. Right? I mean, Is this they an did infinity loop. They Is did this a eat snake the whole... eating its own tail. No, because they ate the whole neighborhood. Oh, all right. Remember, there were all those corpses. Got it. They were definitely like going out late at night and getting McDonald's. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, like you taste great and all, but <laughs> this is like the weirdest mama bird baby bird situation, right? Like, I'm okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna drink this girl. You drink me, and then you drink a guy, and I'll drink you. Like. So, we haven't talked about it, but I get these vibes from you when you watch it that you don't, in particular, like Queen of the Damned, the oh. character. Oh, have I, have I, have I come out and, and not made that clear? No, not the movie. I know you don't like the movie, but you the have character. to admit that the Queen of the Damned character, though she doesn't really fit a whole bunch, and it's her, uh, in title, it's her movie, and it's yeah. not really her movie, she is a really cool character in the way that Lucy in... Bram Stoker's Dracula is an awesome character. Like, on a collector card, you would want the Akasha card. Oh, she's the Mewtwo of vampires? I guess. That's the big one, right? What? I don't know. That's a Pokemon thing. Right? Oh, I thought you were like, is Star Wars? <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> Always with it. You just assume anytime I, I say assume. something you don't know. You said know. Star Wars already today. <laughs> 
I know, I'm not building a very strong case. Yeah, no, totally. I think Queen of the Damned is awesome. I think she's really cool. In, in my memory, for whatever reason, I just remember it's like her husband dies and she stitches him back together and then like an evil spirit enters his body. But it's actually the other way around. It's that she gets cut up into pieces. Is this in the book? In the book, yeah. Okay. And then a some evil presence named Amal, who's like a central character in like the Vampire Chronicles across the board, is what inhabits her, makes her a vampire. She gets her dying husband to drink her blood, and then they rule, la la la. Yeah, I think she's really cool as a vampire. Like, she is the head vampire. She's essentially eternal. She can't fucking die. Which I guess is not necessarily true. I guess her spirit can't die, because we know that Merrick... Merrick? Maharet becomes the Queen of the Damned at the end of the movie. Yeah, I never got that before. I don't like <laughs> her in this movie. I, I, I don't... I don't think she's impressive. I don't think she's that interesting. We definitely don't explore her enough to think that she's anything other than Aaliyah in a cool outfit. Fuck, fine. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> but she's really cool. She looks great. Like, the character's end's good. I... The character's not given... The opportunity to do anything beyond being Aaliyah in a cool outfit, but I think Aaliyah does a really good job in her cool outfit. Yeah. It's an interesting vampire that you wouldn't normally see in the modern day tellings of vampires. It, like, Egyptian mythology is so cool in its own sense, and it's got this really cool religion based around, like, feline gods, mm -hmm. and vampirism is supposed to be just as ancient, and it's just as feline. I think there's a really cool blending of the two. I think it was a smart choice, because what, even now we look at things like the pyramids, and we still puzzle over how it was done. Like, it is a fucking achievement, and it might as well be a mystery, right? I just think it was a really good idea to have Akasha as a vampire in modern day, because most vampire stories are these 16th century white dandies, taking that out of uh, from what we do in the shadows, but vampirism is supposed to be something ancient, so why wouldn't it be... Egyptian gods and African queens and mm -hmm. she, uh, she's so haunting and so beautiful. I wish this movie was hers. I do love Stuart Townsend and I do love Lestat as a rock star but I wish the movie was hers. I gotta agree with you on that. I, I really do wish the movie was hers because it does not feel that way at all. It's funny that you mention all of the Egyptian stuff because I don't really get that in the movie. I get that from, you know... Just the costuming, really, and the... I, I guess, yeah, that's that's true. And the fact that they start out as statues, the room that they're in definitely seems a little Egyptian. But, I don't know, like, we don't explain her origin, which I don't absolutely need, but it's so fucking fascinating and interesting that I would like to see it. Well, and especially because we go back and we see Lestat's origin, even though your audience has seen Interview with the Vampire, we know more about Lestat than we do the Queen of the Damned. So they should be leaning more towards her story, mm -hmm. but I don't. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't find her as like a commanding presence in this. Like when she's in a room and she's like, "You kill her." I don't take that her word is God. You know? No, that is kind of a lame. The ending is kind of lame. Even just in any of it, it doesn't seem like she is this big dominating force. Because that... she goes to that vampire bar and you're like, why do you need to be here? <laughs> Lestat's not here. Yeah, everybody talks about how scary she is and how, how powerful and how she is the queen of us all. She's our mother. And I don't get any of that from any of the characters. So, I don't know. Well, they're not, like, intimidated by her. She just starts... They all go, like, we need to fight this bitch. Yeah. yeah. That's probably in part two, though, because modern-day vampirism is 
underground mm. and everybody's hiding in either covens or they're all like lone wolves and she's from a time when she reigned so she doesn't know how things are now i yeah. guess is the issue and also like she's experiencing the new world and modern times and there's no there's no moment where she experiences modern times she wakes up and is just like let's do this that's what i'm saying like i, I guess maybe it's the same with lestat like we maybe we should assume that she's doing the same thing he was she is asleep but observant she, she was in a cave <laughs> but i mean like lestat can hear across the world I like guess. what a vampire is doing i can only imagine that she's got that ability even more so so yeah maybe as stone she's still completely aware of what going on she is watching the matrix as it were like of the entire world she knows everything mm. but there's no fun moment of her interacting with anything new or modern she just shows up she's like sup i'm gonna raise my hands you're gonna catch on fire and then i'm gonna move on to a new scene if that's cool all right bye <laughs> i'm gonna dance my way out <laughs> yeah. i remember reading before the movie came out that they had to do some post-production stuff with her brother you ever hear about this yeah she passed away six months after they finished shooting and they had to do some um redubbing of the voices in some scenes right and so they had her brother record some of the lines and then they pitched his voice yeah. to match hers yeah are they twins? I think so. Mm. Or just really close. Yeah. Because apparently they had really, like, their voices were very similar. Yeah. I guess it's what guys like the Bee Gees could be so successful. Or they could harmonize so well. That's true. Yeah, so <laughs> probably not as hard to do as, as we would think. Uh, it's so hard to talk about this movie because I agree with you on all of your points. I just see it with such rose-colored glasses. I'm like, yeah, they didn't give that character any meat. But when she does her cool dance, like, she looks fucking cool in her headdress. And she's got that, like, gold makeup. This movie came along for you at the right time in your life. I'm saying anything you see and you fall in love with when you're 12, 13 will stay with you for the rest of your life. And I, I think I was roughly that age maybe when I saw Interview with the Vampire. But, I mean, even now, can't help but hold its faults against it. <laughs> Queen of the Damned is a movie that I probably only saw clips of until you made me watch it. You're like, oh my god, greatest movie ever, right? And I'm like, I haven't seen it, let's check it out. And then, oh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna just bite my fist through this movie. And you Ooh, just look at good me like, music. Good Kim, music. you're smarter than this. <laughs> yeah. This movie has static X in it, Kim. So cold, so cold! <laughs> There is no better way to place your movie in the early 2000s than having Static X on your soundtrack. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure it's funny. Well, it's also like putting Mudvayne in your soundtrack, or any of the Godsmack. Like, every movie from, like, the early 2000s. The interesting thing, though, is that if they were making this movie now, Corn and Marilyn Manson would still be on the soundtrack. I totally agree with you. Which How could they not? a testament to them is in their goth rock careers. Yeah. The music in this movie is great. It is great. If you need, like, a badass walking soundtrack, like, say you need to go to a <laughs> sketchy side of town where maybe some vampires hang out, just listen to this soundtrack. Just put it in your ears and, like, <sighs> march on through. Yeah, you're good. So, Kim, I'm asking you first, because I don't, I don't want to shit on your parade. Ratings! No, I don't want to rate it. Do you want me to go first? Would that make it easier? <laughs> Fine. You have to rate it. You, I know. We've, we've put ourselves in this box. It's you, unfortunate. I don't want to. I know you don't want to. You gotta remember, any any rating we've ever done has just been our thoughts and feelings on the film. I know, it but... It has never been a critical analysis. Every time I watch this movie, like, part of the glimmer dies. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> and I watch it a lot. <laughs> we only own a full screen version of it, which sucks. I gotta watch this fucking movie with those like digital pans because oh, they can't fit the whole goddamn some, scene the in 4x3. The intro of it is widescreen though. It's got like a weird aspect ratio at the beginning. Yeah. It is weird. It's yeah. it's like a tiny rectangle inside a square. And then it goes into a big square. <laughs> that used to be a big thing. Yeah. Whatever. Okay, what's your rating? I gotta give this movie like a one and a half out of four. I understand. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I gotta say, there are scenes that I think are great. You know, I think uh, Stuart Townsend does look great as Lestat. <laughs> yeah. Um, until he opens his mouth. <laughs> no. No, he's a great actor. Like, I, I, I like him in a lot of movies that he's in, but... Yeah, as a Lestat, he is far too into himself. Yeah, which made him perfect to play Dorian Gray in The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I like Another to think... stellar film. I like to think that that was his choice for the character, and that's not Stuart Townsend in his heart of hearts. Yeah. is not that into himself, but... Yeah, then the lines he says aren't great. Yeah. So it's you know what movie I you know what Stuart Townsend movie I really liked is that one that came out last year. What was that one called? What I'm trying to get at is it's been a while. Like I don't think I've seen Stuart Townsend in a movie in a little bit. Do you know he was supposed to be in Lord of the Rings? Really? He was supposed to play Viggo Mortensen's character, but no they way. replaced him last minute because he was too young. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Viggo Mortensen did do a pretty goddamn good job. Yeah, he did. Even though I hate those movies. I'm just saying his career would be in a different place now if he was in those Lord of the Rings movies. I think you're right. What's that guy up to? Fuck. He's probably rich and British. I don't know. Is he actually British? Oh. All right. Maybe he's just on the BBC. We don't know it. I I think he's British. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to give this a two out of four. Yeah. I can't give it any higher because it's, I really thought you would have. It's not good, and I know it's not good, and there are parts when I watch it where I just, like, squint my eye a little bit. I'm like, stop doing it. <laughs> <laughs> You're hurting me. I want to love you. <laughs> so what I would suggest for you is just to put that, that violin scene on AB repeat and just loop that for 90 minutes. I fucking love that scene. It's a great scene. Yeah. That violin is... When John and I first started dating, I had, like, a first-generation iPod that only had, like, 13 songs on it. And that violin thing was one of them. It was always the 13th song. I was like, oh, no, I only get 12 songs. Okay, uh, the violin from Queen of the Dam. And then, uh... Well, Alice Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> that works. Yeah. <laughs> this is really hard for me to admit that this movie is not good because I really enjoy it. How many hours of your life do you think you've spent watching this movie? <sighs> Well, enough that I can sing all the songs. <laughs> yeah, and they are original songs. And I, I've never had the soundtrack to this movie. That is crazy that you could do that. I couldn't do that right now if I if I tried. Something about, like, come down to, like, the alley? Emerald's Isle. <laughs> you? Oh, man, your brow is furrowed. The Emerald Arms? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, hold me in the Emerald Arms. I don't know. It's not coming to me. <laughs> Music video's good, though. Yeah, it's got, like, a cabinet of Dr. Calgary yeah. kind of set pieces, which is really cool. Looks great. There's also the Nosferatu music video. Like, why aren't... You gotta imagine that, like, Korn watched this movie and they were like, why the fuck didn't we do that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. We're over here with fucking cartoons and shit. Remember when Korn was, like, the coolest band in town? And everybody's parents... They're still parents... cool. 
Yeah. They did do a music video about, like, bull riding. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Nobody watches music videos nowadays. Name That's... the last music video you watched. Oh. Like, on purpose. The last music video that I watched on purpose was probably, like, 2013. And yeah. it was probably a Lady Gaga music video. Oh, that's true. I was going to say, the last music video that I, like, sought out was A Perfect Circle, Weekend Powerless. Which is, like, circa 2004. Wow. <laughs> that's another band that I've just never really been able to crack. I know. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's put a strain on our relationship. It I'm I'm in the tool camp. You're in the perfect Don't circle Don't tell camp. them. <laughs> <laughs> the struggle continues. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys. Well, that's it from us this week in our Vampire Tales Chronicle, I should have said, because that's what it's about. Yep. Let us know what you thought about Interview with a Vampire and Queen of the Damned in our Facebook group over at facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of N-O-F-S. This show is listener-supported. Head over to patreon.com slash nightmareonfilmstreet to check out all the cool bonus content available to you as a patron. We recently saw Annihilation in the theater. If you'd like to hear our Drive Home from the Drive-In review of that, it's up there right now. And I think roughly next week we'll have a review of the new Strangers Pray at Night film on there as well. So again, head over to patreon.com slash nightmareonfilmstreet. But that's it from us this week. I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. Just long enough to tell the tale of the nightmare on Film Street. Ow! Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation on Twitter by following at NOFS Podcast. And as always, more terror can be found lurking on our website, www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com. Until next week, stay creepy. Fiends.